Welcome in to another edition of the Future Sox Roundup with Elijah Evans. My name is Mike Rankin. Elijah Evans alongside us as well, of course. He's back. We're all back. We missed last week, but that's okay. We're back this week to recap you on all the happenings across the affiliates throughout the Chicago White Sox organization. We'll get you some highlights of players that we'd like to break down. Also, hey, how about these standings across all the affiliates, the different levels? The White Sox, look, in years past, when you look at the records of the affiliates, not very good. This year, how about this? In AAA, 26 and 28. And when you think of the Charlotte Knights in 2023, do you think of a 500 ball club? I don't know how closely you're paying attention, but a lot of these names we've seen at the big league level, and some have contributed to the AAA level, to the tune of a near 500 record. So that's a positive. A negative is AA Birmingham, 17 and 31. We'll get to a couple of players participating in AA here shortly. How about Advanced Day, though? That's been a success story throughout the year, 26 and 20. And Loe in Kannapolis, 24 and 23 overall. Pleased to welcome in Elijah. We can go any which way here. A lot of the names that we have on tap for this episode really does fit to the, what the White Sox fan is looking for. I don't know how you feel about that, Elijah, but the names that you brought to the show today really suggest the, that these are the top ones that we should really be paying attention to, I think, above all else. Yeah, some of these names uh, we're going to talk about today are guys that you realistically can see being a factor for the White Sox. And, you know, we've talked about a lot of prospects at the lower levels that are exciting and show promise, but some of these guys we're talking about today are guys that we not only think can make it, but expect to make an impact with the White Sox. Um, so it's an exciting time. You know, we, we started the season with numerous of our top prospects uh, injured and working their way back from injuries and surgeries and such. Um, and now we're finally getting to start to see some of these prospects break through. And, you know, Colson Montgomery's still working through his injury and he's the number one prospect in the system. But a lot of the top 10 prospects now are starting to get a little more hot, get used to the season and come back from what they were working through. And it's, it's an exciting time. You know, it's it's good to see with, with the White Sox struggling. It's good to see some of these guys that we expect to make an impact in the next few years start to really show their promise in the minors. A lot of positive developments as well from left-handed starter Noah Schultz. Slow out of the gate due to a flexor strain in spring training, but we continue to monitor the development of quite a special talent. The arm strength, the arm action, the length, the size, the stuff. We're really excited to follow Noah Schultz's career and Hopefully it's a long and fruitful one within the White Sox organization and to see him pitch in professional games is such a treat. So very excited about the left-handed pitcher's development. And that also brings us, as Elijah was mentioning, to others who were getting a slow start due to injury to the 2023 season. And the first player that we'd like to highlight today is Brian Ramos. We'll throw it to Kurt Bloom and get some reaction, but first... Let's celebrate one of the better prospects in the Chicago White Sox system with this. Into the lineup last night, he swings, lines one into center, that will get down for a base hit. There you go, Ramos. 25 years old, the 0-1, swung on, grounder right side through, base hit. Ramos two for two. So Elijah, when we think about Brian Ramos, over the years, what's been your opinion of the way that he's ascended in the White Sox organization, considered among the best, if not outside of Colson Montgomery, the best prospect in the White Sox system. He has continued to get better every season. 
his power is he's growing into his power, you know, in 2021 with Canapolis, 13 home runs. You started to see it. There was a lot of strikeouts, though, a good amount of doubles, a good amount of homers. You, you were seeing that come together. And then last year he took a huge step uh, at Winston-Salem for the majority of the year and then eventually Birmingham where he hit 22 homers on the year. He cut his strikeout rate significantly. He had 24 less strikeouts in more games last year than in 2021. Um, you know, he maintained a similar walk rate. So you're seeing a guy that has a lot of natural hitting ability. He's not, you know, a perfect contact hitter. He's not a 70 grade hitter, but he's a pretty well-rounded hitter with a nice compact swing. And he's got some a ton of natural power that you're continuing to see grow as he works his way up through the minors. And he's improving upon that approach. The biggest thing with him early on is he was striking out a lot. He had a ton of power and a lot of doubles homers, but he had a lot of strikeouts. He wasn't quite as consistent with the contact skills. And then last year, you really started to see him grow into a complete hitter. And beyond that, you've seen his glove develop a lot. Uh, last year, he took a big step forward at third base. You know, he's played a little bit of second too, so that gives some versatility going forward uh, for what the White Sox may need in the future. But he has grown a lot with the glove. He's got a naturally strong arm. He's getting his hands a little bit more consistent. Uh, so he's a guy that is just continued to get better. And he's a guy that just, he's in double now, but he we could see him with the White Sox not that far down the future. I like how you highlighted the versatility defensively, because that's something that we've been monitoring throughout the Future Sox podcast and uh, at futuresox.com is his ability to play second base. I think it could be a game changer based on his profile. But if he sticks at a corner at third, based on the way that he is able to generate power out of his frame, love the upside in Ramos. And, you know, we talk so highly about the player, but it's important to know at 21 years old, already on the 40 man for the Chicago White Sox, and that takes us to the next player we'd like to highlight, Elijah, Jose Rodriguez, also on the 40-man, a young player. What's your opinion so far of his season, and where do you think he can get better? Because it's been a struggle, although lately, what do you think? He really started to turn the corner as the speedy, quality-hitting uh, middle infielder that could be used at potentially the future of second base. You know, we've struggled to find a second baseman for a long time. And last year, it was like, hey, this guy could really be our second baseman. He had, you know, 11 homers, flashed that power a little bit, tons of speed, as I said, with the stolen bases, a pretty solid infielder. Uh, he's good at second. He's not he's decent at shortstop but i, I see him long term as a second baseman um, but he you know started to sh round that corner and then this year started really slow as of two weeks ago he was hitting 174 on the season in birmingham uh, but the last week we have seen him really round the corner uh, in his last seven games i believe he has 12 hits in those seven games and his batting average is up to 224 after being at 174 just a little over two weeks ago or less than two weeks ago he had a game with two home runs recently in this past week and a half um, he's he's starting to kind of flash that consistent hit tool again uh, that he was lacking earlier in the year you know he had some starts early in the year he was striking out a little bit more than he used to considering he played at double a last year while he has struggled this year, we, we would like to see in Charlotte this year, uh, given that he has a lot of experience in Birmingham and should continue to grow. I need to see a little bit more of that consistent contact and get him back to his speedways a little bit. He only has six stolen bases this year, um, which is a bit interesting. And I think somewhat that has to do with him not getting on bases often and just not being as consistent with his swing. Uh, but I'd like to see him get back to stealing a little bit more because especially in the modern game, his, pa his speed of 40 stolen bases last year with a consistent contact bat could be huge for the White Sox. Yeah, I think that's important to mention is it's, you know, there's a hope 
in there that he reaches AAA. However, I believe there's an expectation attached to Jose Rodriguez. I know it may be a little ambitious, but at this point in his career, you'd like to have that expectation on a player such as Rodriguez going to AAA. And speaking of Charlotte, Elijah, we got to talk about Sean Burke. Here's a couple of uh, highlights courtesy Matt Swearad of the Charlotte Knights. The windup and the pitch. Half swing, did he go? Yes, he did as the appeal down to the first base umpire. It'll be a 1-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Good changeup on the outside half of the plate. And Burke strikes out the side, getting all three swinging. Sean Burke's season, inconsistent to say the least. What can you tell us about his year to this point? And do you, do you notice anything that's different uh, from the beginning of the year to now, considering he's been on the development list a couple of times already? following his season last year, especially what he was doing at Winston-Salem and then even eventually in Birmingham last year, I think people jumped the gun a little bit on his uh, his development and thinking that he would immediately become an impact player. And with Burke, it's it's all about the command. You know, earlier this year, I think the biggest thing he struggled with is his command. He had a few games with, he had a game with four walks in April, he had a game with five walks in May, and just generally not quite being able to find his spots. It led to a few home runs here and there. He had a game uh, earlier in May where he had three home runs. It's, it's really just him being able to locate those pitches, especially with his, his fastball is not the best of fastballs, but it has some nice ride on it. And then his breaking balls, when he's able to put them in the spots he wants, can be really good. In his last start that we just highlighted, he had eight strikeouts across his five innings, only allowing one run. Um, and it was a lot of it was the breaking ball being able to kind of pair that that riding fastball in the corners where he needs it to be and then get people with the breaking ball because most of his eight strikeouts i think six of them came on the breaking ball in this past game so with him it's like he, he's got the stuff it's really just about finding a way to locate you know you saw in this in this last start he went the first three innings he was just mowing guys down i mean it was strikeout after strikeout and just nobody was getting close to him when he was able to hit all of his spots fourth inning you see him get a little bit off his game starts walking a few guys he ended up with four walks in this outing but because his stuff was so good at this past start he was able to work around those four starts almost young dylan cease-esque to a degree he doesn't have quite the stuff that cease has but it's it's the type of pitcher where if you can just see him hone in a little bit more on that command he could be really good Sean Burke is 23 years old and will turn 24 in December. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As we move on, one Burke to another. Jacob Burke. Take it away, Dan Elodi of the Canapolis Cannonballers. Burke grounds this one up the middle into center for a base knock. Elko's going to round third and head home, but plate the plate on the way. Laura's throw tagged. No, Cibrian couldn't hold on. Elko's going to score. Headed to second will be Jacob Burke. Past the third baseman. Adams gets loose in a foul ground. 
Scoring will be Logan, scoring will be Sanchez. Camel under the third, and Jacob Burke has himself a base knock and a couple of runs scored, and just like that, Canapolis takes the lead here in this bottom of the second inning. It's a double off the bat of Jacob Burke. I want to give a shout-out to James Fox of the Future Sox podcast, which you can listen to every Tuesday. Please subscribe, and please subscribe to this episode as well. I will say, Jacob Burke is one of the more confident players in this organization. If you read James Fox's piece, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Love what I'm seeing so far. The kid in center field showing some pop and really exciting as a ball player. I think it just as a fan, I like watching this kind of profile go out and compete. Yeah, Burke's fun for sure. Drafted last year as an 11th rounder. You know, you're never you're never expecting a ton from somebody of that draft status. Uh, but he he's just a good all around player. He's, he's hitting 351 right now, which is like I know batting average in the modern baseball. I don't love using it, uh, but that that's something, right? It's he's he's making contact all the time. He's just finding a way to get on base. He's got a triple. He's got five doubles and a homer. You know, he he doesn't have a ton of natural power. I think he could grow into it more. Again, he's still he was drafted last year. Six one big frame he, he could gain some more power but you know he's got a pretty solid approach at his age he just makes a ton of contact and as you said he's really confident and I, I just it's fun to watch guys you know at that young level especially at the Canapolis at Canapolis you know at the single a level be confident and want to get out there and just go after it and just have these approaches where you just see in his at bats he's he's up there and he is looking to get a hit every single time he steps up to the plate and it's it's locked in and it's going and he talked about how he you know his his passion and he's confident in what he can bring to the White Sox um, and that's that's great to see obviously it's a long path for somebody who's in Canapolis right now and there's definitely more development ahead of him but he's destroying the baseball um, in Canapolis and I, I kind of expect to see him at Winston-Salem at some point this year and that's just due to him continuing to work continuing to to put together really good at bats every time I, I see him play in Canapolis. It's a relatively small sample size so far for Jacob yeah. Burke and Canapolis for 2023 but I agree with you Winston-Salem is calling and it may be sooner rather than later just considering the White Sox like to play it conservatively for a player especially in Burke's case joining first full affiliate full season as an affiliated player give him the opportunity to fail at his first level but if he doesn't and he continues to mash like he's been doing and clearly outperforming in the competition yeah Winston-Salem's calling for sure uh speaking of Winston-Salem do we have some Winston-Salem highlights here we do and that's Jared Kelly. We'll talk about Peyton Paulette, but because we mentioned Winston-Salem, I want you to hear this from Andrew Murphy of the Dash. The 2-2 delivery. Strike three called. Got him upstairs with a fastball, one gone. 2-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Change up to the outside edge. Pitch on the way. Strike three called. Got him on the outside half with a fastball. That's six strikeouts. A new season high for Jared Kelly. All right, Elijah, Jared Kelly, future reliever, or do you think that's just uh, a one-off thing? Because him not beginning a ball game, yet coming in and pitching multiple innings as a reliever and having the success that he did, I don't know if that meant anything. What's your evaluation of Jared Kelly so far? I, I love it out of the bullpen. Um, I was I was told you this before, but I was super high on Kelly when he got drafted. You know, I thought I thought Kelly was a true steal for the White Sox. He he had first round talent, fell to the White Sox in the middle of the second round. A guy that you know had just flashed a ton of potential from a six three guy with you know a power fastball and somebody that I thought was going to pretty quickly rise through the system um, regardless of his age. And he is just twenty one, and I think people forget that a little bit. He had a really shaky 
first year with the White Sox um, in 2021. And then, you know, last year started to show some things that the command has continued to prevent him from kind of taking that next step, but didn't allow a ton of hard contact for him. It was more just the issue of walks and missing some spots here and there. Uh, but, you know, he, he worked his way up to Birmingham at the very end of last season during with Project Bir- with Project Birmingham. And he was all right there, but the Sox decided to be a little patient with him, start him at Winston-Salem again this year. He continues to just walk a little bit too much and just miss his spots. He's been a little all over the place with the fastball throughout this year, but then they decided to have use him as a piggyback off Brooks Goswin this past start, and he looked really good. It was just a different Jared Kelly. Uh, I don't know how, quite how to explain it. It just he was commanding the zone. His fastball was just perfectly placed on the upper corners a lot of the time. You know, he has a lot of good movement and ride on his fastball and being able to get that and coming out of the zone into the zone late is just really what makes him effective. And you see his his fastball location in this past start was just perfect. He was pinpointing those high corners when he needed to. He was dropping the breaking balls to mix with it. And he, he just looked like a different pitcher. And I think Kelly's the type of arm that he could really quickly move through the system if you put him in a relief role and it works for him. And that's not to say he couldn't be a starter. I think there's a world where Jared Kelly's a good starter. But, you know, look at a guy like Ronaldo Lopez. He struggled with command his career. I know it's been a little shakier this year, but last year he was the best reliever on the White Sox probably. And that's a guy who was a starter, always a starter, always viewed as a starter, and it just wasn't working, and he just couldn't quite get it as a starter. And the bullpen transition for him worked wonders and really rejuvenated his career. So while Kelly could continue to work, you know, he's, again, he's he's at high A, he's a young pitcher, he's only 21. He could continue to work through this and get to a point where he is a starter. Could he also be a really, really good reliever with the ability to throw multiple innings? Yeah, and that's exciting mm-hmm. in my eyes. Last name that we would like to talk about today, Peyton Pellet. We know the story. Tommy John missed all of last year, starts this year. Eight outings to this point, Elijah. He is throwing every start. I love it. Yeah, it, it's exciting. I mean, the biggest thing with Pellet is I just wanted to see him on the mound, like you're saying. I mean, it, it's just a good thing to see him on the mound. And you're starting to see his innings ramp up too. You know, he started the season in April. He didn't throw more than he didn't get. He didn't finish the fourth inning in any start in April. And now these last three starts in a row, four full innings each time. Um, and yes, that's not enough for a starter. But for somebody working his way back, you know, three starts in a row of four quality innings is great to see from Paulette. And this guy, I mean, he's got a t- again another guy that I a second round pick fell to the White Sox due to injury stuff a little bit. Um, he could have easily been a first-round talent in some situations, but he has a ton of upside. Not a big dude, pretty compact, um, and he's just very consistent. He has the stuff is just great. I love looking at Paulette's pitches and the way he the way he attacks the zone. He you know gave up one run, one run, and then zero runs in his last three starts. His last start was in four innings of no hit ball with only two walks, four strikeouts. You know, it, it's again, it's another guy who needs to fine-tune the command a little bit. He's had a little bit of walk issues, but not a ton. It's not like it's getting away from him. Um, he doesn't He doesn't get totally off track with walks. He has a few games where he's had a little bit of a rough time. Too. He's had two rough starts uh, this season in Kannapolis, but two rough starts with six really good starts, honestly, um, is, is really exciting to see from Paulette and just continuing to see him grow. For him, it's really just going to be about getting innings under his belt, continuing to ramp up a little bit slowly throughout the season. I think ideally you want to see him take the next step to a five inning start. You know, he's done four or three times in a row. It's in the few, in June, I would like to see him throw five full innings and see what we get out of him there. 
And I, I just think it's going to be a continual steady growth for Paulette and not a guy that, you know, we should expect to rise super quickly just because of the injury, because of the surgery, because of, you know, his age. I know he's 22, so he's a bit more advanced, uh, but he he's going to take some time, but he's super exciting as a pitcher. Yeah, and it has a lot to do with the way the White Sox play, you know, conservatively um, with their prospects, especially a guy like Paulette in this case. I don't know what the innings limit is for him this year in eight starts. What is it, 25 innings pitched already? Um, it, the fact that he is up and down every week, you know, he's not missing a start. That is, number one, a great sign. Number two, talking about Peyton Paulette's mechanics a little bit, just quickly, you know, he finishes almost up and down. You know, there's not a lot of bend to his way. So I just wonder if that's a part of his game that the White Sox may adjust because it just seems to me – an uncomfortable finish for a pitcher who may have issues with command. And look at the higher levels, you know, some of these mechanical tweaks can make every difference in the world. We'll see. I'm not a pitching coach, something that I noticed immediately after he was drafted. Elijah, I don't know if you have an opinion on that, just his mechanic, but he is so quiet. He is clean, not a lot of movement. Um, It's just his finish. I'm curious what you think. I've seen some interesting comparisons from him in the past, but I, I think there could be a little bit of tweaking there, but I also think, you know, some things work for guys. It's, it's hard to say. I, I know both of us, you know, we, we are not in a position to determine exactly if he should or shouldn't be doing something with his mechanics, but it, in modern baseball, there, there's not really a correct way to do things these days. And I think people like to say, you know, you're you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do this. And that's how you're taught when you're learning how to play baseball. But there's some crazy motions in the major leagues right now that work for guys. So at the end of the day, it, it really comes on what works for him. And I think as he continues to rise to the White Sox system, each step of the way, you know, if he struggles in this area, check this out, see what's going on and maybe adjust a little bit, but don't change the way he pitches because he, he, Overall, I think is a really good pitcher, and there definitely will be some slight tweaks as he continues to rise. But this is a guy with a ton of potential and a lot of ability. He was an overslot pick from the White Sox, and I think it's really just about slight adjustments here and there as he continues to rise through the system that are going to make him a really exciting prospect and somebody with you know his his curveball is phenomenal. I think that was his calling card per se um, when he was coming out of the draft. He's probably I'm not sure if this is exactly correct, but I, I believe he was one of the top curveballs in the entire draft last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't think it gets much better than what he showed at Arkansas with his curveball. And a fastball that has a lot of ride on it, it can reach up into the upper 90s. And he, he's got a he's got an interesting frame and an interesting uh, layout as a pitcher and somebody that could could be really good. And it's it's a high it's a high potential arm for sure. And it's just, as I said, you know, get innings, continue to tweak things slowly if he needs to. But I'm very excited to continue watching Paulette throw. And as you said, the biggest thing that's a, the biggest thing is he's thrown eight starts already, which is huge for his development and where he's at. So just continuing to ramp up those innings, keep it, you know, whatever within his innings limit and just see where it keeps going. But it's uh it's his last few starts in May have looked really good. Yeah, I I share the same feelings. I can't help get excited about Peyton Paulette. I know there was a lot of reports in the draft that said, hey, this is a great pick for the White Sox considering first-round talent. Had he not had Tommy John surgery, maybe a top-15 pitcher in the league. Knowing that and watching him throw is enough for me to say, yeah, let's see how this kid can develop because he looks great. And to your point about you know things and mechanics and whatever it is that you have success in your game, different things work for different people. I remember growing up, it's like, oh, you need to – as a pitcher throw and be in an athletic position. Well, that's completely out the window for a lot of guys yeah. who are trying to generate as much velocity and spin rate as they can. So yeah, baseball is, is unique in that way. And 
What is also unique in, in a similar way is Elijah's feature story of the week. Elijah, tell me anything that you want to say about the Chicago White Sox or their affiliates, because look, we got to have something to maybe hang our hats on about this team. It could be positive, could be negative. A lot of negative these days. I prefer positive, but whatever you want to talk about. Um, you know, I'm going to take it a positive direction this time because I, I did bash on the White Sox a little bit in the past few weeks, um, and I've talked a lot about how I, I do think there is some selling that needs to happen. But looking at a totally different direction, a good sign of things, the White Sox have some really fun young pieces in the bullpen. And I know that's that's totally not a huge topic. It's more of a side topic. Um, but it, it's cool to see because another thing, I, I guess this is taking it slightly in a negative direction again, but when you look at the White Sox bullpen, they've invested a ton of money in this bullpen. And some of those signings have worked out. Some have been better than others. But you've got guys that you've acquired for basically nothing that have been great. Look at Gregory Santos and Kenyon Middleton. These are two guys who were not at all imagined to be a factor, I don't think, by anybody, really. Maybe Santos was by some people, but he's always had command issues. And and these are two of the best arms in the White Sox bullpen. Um, so it's it's interesting to see how you can really just find guys and, and make it work in the bullpen. And it's a good sign for the White Sox because if this team is going to get back on track, it's really going to be crucial that the bullpen is more like it was in May than it was in April because in April it was probably the top bottom three bullpen in the league and it wasn't elite in May but has gotten a lot better and that's going to be a huge part to the White Sox trying to get back on track if that's possible um, you know the AL Central is not good so there is still a world where the White Sox have a hot June and they're right back in the thick of it and it's going to come down to the ability, I mean, all the whole team matters, but I really think the bullpen remaining consistent and being able to finish off games is going to be crucial to a White Sox team that didn't get any production from the bullpen early in the season. Elijah, this was a lot of fun. Let's do it again next week. Sounds great. That's Elijah Evans. You can follow him on Twitter at ElijahEV8. I'm at Rankin906. Follow us at Future Sox. You can also email us futuresocks at gmail.com with any questions or maybe a highlight or two that you'd like to see here, whatever you want, a player, tell us. We'll talk about them. This is the Future Sox Podcast and the Future Sox Roundup. Listen to the Future Sox Podcast with myself and James Fox every Tuesday. We drop this on the weekends weekly. Thanks so much for your support. Go to SoxMachine.com to become a patron if you're willing and able. For Elijah, my name is Mike Rankin. We'll talk to you all next week.